0: Heyo, it's the No Name Never podcast, with your host, Jamie Smith.
2: Good evening and welcome to tonight's podcast, I'm Jamie Smith and with me tonight, Adam Howard, Dan Black and James Bird and hopefully we'll be joined by Natalie Bromley too. Um, Busy show tonight, we'll kick off with Huddersfield, Burnley's first defeat in 13 league games. Um, Dan, what did you make of Burnley's performance? It was below par really, wasn't
3: it? (laughs) It wasn't much to make of it really, really. (laughs) The first half it was just we, we, we were there we we didn't turn up. Um I think Huddersfield's system had a lot to do with that. I thought um they were quite clever in in uh, how they approached the game. It'd play like a three five two. Um with Hamill and Dixon hogging the touchline and really stretching the play and then yeah, Clayton and Hogg making it hard for us to get on the ball, pressing out up the pitch and, and allowing Norwood uh, acres of space on, on the ball and at times, Norwood's um, delivery uh, and execution was just exquisite on, t- on times. The way he found Vaughan in the Box on two occasions was, was excellent. And they were just causing us problems, the movement, the craft, just everything. We just couldn't get anywhere near them. We were poor.
2: I, I didn't think we pressed nearly as much as, as we have in recent weeks, especially. the The energy from the wingers seems to be a bit lacking. Do you think maybe some of the players were a little bit flat on Saturday?
3: Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, I've, I've said it in the last couple of games, I think we've looked a little bit jaded at the start of games and I I, I don't know why because we've had a bit of a rest over the international break. But in some ways, they played a lot like, a lot of people were saying Rodriguez against Chile was anonymous and I think Cartley had the same problem in that Hamill was, was just... Was just in an advanced position for the full half, and it was that. Does it? Can he afford to go? Does he have to come back back and double up with Ben Me to stop him? Because he's quite a tricky player, and it was just anonymous because uh, he, he just couldn't get into the game. And like I say, feels tactics made it really hard for us just to just to get going.
2: Despite the fact we were probably second best, if decisions had gone the other way, we probably could have got something from the game. Um, what did you make of the refereeing performance? Obviously, the penalty decision is is a shambles, really.
3: It's it's absolutely ludicrous. Because, I mean, on occasions it's bad enough getting a decision wrong on one count, but to get it wrong on two counts is just embarrassing. To give a penalty when, it, for one, it's not inside the area, and two, Duff's hands are behind his back, it's absolutely ridiculous. And, and obviously that has a knock-on effect with a red card as well, because apparently Duff, was yellow-carded for saying to the referee, You'll, you're going to owe me an apology in the morning. And, oh, yeah. and obviously arguing, in his, arguing his case from the decision. And if he do not get yellow-carded there, he do not get sent off late on and he doesn't, doesn't miss miss a game. So, it's I mean, there were some really poor decisions as well. I, I, it's hard to tell whether Votes was was onside or offside, but there was the occasion it's when Arfield beat his marker as well in the second half in his... He's hitting the bar line, and he's got a great chance to cut the ball back into the box. And he's been he's been bundled over, and the referee's awarded a, a goal kick. I just I, I gave up on Saturday. It was just <laughs> there was time.
2: certainly some some very strange decisions. That penalty absolutely outrageous, really, to get it wrong on both counts. Um, you Natalie, that. you were in in the away Hi. end with me at, at the weekend. It was a, it should have been a good away day, but I suppose the performance spoiled it a little bit, didn't it?
4: It did. Um, It was a really poor performance, unfortunately. Um, There wasn't very much about the game that we can cheer about. Um, I think, I I don't like to be negative just for the sake of it, and I think we can take heart from the fight back that they gave in the second half. They did come out. The changes that he made at half-time did make um, a difference. And we were really pressing for an equaliser towards the end of the game. Um, So I think... In the latter stages of the second half, I'm very pleased with the man- mental aspects of the game. I think they stepped up to the mark, and I think they actually turned that around from, um, from a head perspective and thought, you know, no, we're not, you know, we're not going to let our season turn into this. Like, let's fight for a point out of this game. Um, but first half, I, I can't remember was playing that badly for a long time.
2: What What do you think it was that that went wrong? Why were we so poor on Saturday?
4: Um I, I think there's there's two aspects and you can't you can't just keep going on about one player because you can't ultimately be a one player team. But when either Jones or Marnie are missing from the centre midfield, we seem there seems to be a real a real difference in the squad. I just think those two in the centre mid are an absolutely fundamental part of the structure of our team. Um we had obviously Dino missing again on Um, Ed Edgar, I know I, I supported him a lot last week and, and I don't want to get on the guys back but he was um, really poor in centre midfield but um, I'm sure James will be delighted when I say this but um, I think Stock made a difference when he came on um, so I think midfield for us, um, we just got overrun Um Um, Sorry,
2: go on. Sorry, carry on.
4: No, 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 it's
2: okay. go on. I was just about to ask James what he thought of uh, Brian Stock, actually, because I thought he was quite poor in the second half. Oh, you would think that, wouldn't you, Jeremy? I like like Brian Stock. I just didn't think he was really up to scratch on Saturday. uh, I didn't really
5: think any of them were up to scratch, to be honest. So, I'm not really going to hold it against someone who's come into a game where he's just watched possibly the worst first half you'll see from maybe anyone all season. Um so Don't uh, hold yeah, back. I
2: tell us what you really think.
5: Well, I think it's a bit harsh to judge someone who's coming into in the second half of that game.
2: You know no, you're right, Goodersfield it's, could have been, it's a difficult situation.
5: They could have been should have been three, four 0 up at half time. Um, you know I you know, it's hard to sort of Criticise a player who's coming into a team playing that badly. I
3: think, uh, I think as well. You've you've got to remember that teams now. I mean, uh, Davis and Robbins have both said it that in the in the Nottingham Forest and the Huddersfield games that those were the best performances of the season. And it's a fact that teams are going to raise the games to play against the team mm-hmm. at the top of the top of the table. And you could see first half Huddersfield. Depressed. They were energetic. They were really good to watch. But in the second half, they kind of—it was almost like they—they'd they'd given everything in the first, and they started being a bit wasteful and a bit, a bit desperate at times in this second half. And that's when we started to take control. But obviously, when you go two 0 down, you're always going to struggle to to get back into it. But I think you know, the teams are just naturally now becoming more competitive against us. And it might not be a bad thing getting knocked off the top top at all because. You know, hopefully it'll take it'll alleviate some of that some of that pressure maybe.
2: I certainly felt that Huddersfield tried to shut up shop a little bit at 2-0. I thought it was really, really strange actually that we made the changes at half time, stockton Stanislaus came on and I thought it was an immediate improvement really. We created mm. a good chance for for Volks that I think he was a little bit unlucky not to convert. But within the space of five minutes, then we 2-0 down. That's just how football works out. But I, I did think there were positive signs, and you've got to give credit to the managers for, for making those changes. But after we got 2-0 down, he's got nothing else on the bench to to bring on. Um, Natalie, we'll come to you. What did you make of the defensive performance? I, I thought it was really strange. It's a while since we've kept a clean sheet now, and I thought we were a bit unusually open at the back on Saturday.
4: Yeah, I agree definitely, um, and I think um, I felt the same at Forest last week as well. It's it's quite unusual for our defence.
2: Sorry, I think we we're, we're losing Natalie in and out. I think she's driving or something. Um, James, the defensive put forms. Can we come to you on that point? Shackle wasn't really on his game, was he?
5: I don't think he was at his best, but I don't think defensive were necessarily that that bad. I mean, uh you know, at the end of the day they didn't score as many as they they probably could have done, whether that was entirely down to the defence is another matter. Um but no, Shaka wasn't on on top four like he has been here in the season. Um he quite often makes those sort of last gasp challenges and we didn't really see that on uh, Saturday.
2: Uh, talking about the defence, what do you think um, the manager might do tomorrow night with Duff being suspended? I think he'll play Kev Long, to be honest. Uh, just drop
5: him straight in. Uh, he didn't really do a lot wrong to get dropped. It was just a case of I think Duff's the better fit.
2: Do you not think he might be tempted to, to move David Edgar back into that back four just because he's got a bit more football under his belt? No, I, really he... don't think, I don't really think he fancies David Edgar. In defence, at least. Um. I would hope he doesn't really fancy him in midfield after, after I think he preferred him in midfield to defence, to be
5: honest, but
2: uh, Eva's not great. It will certainly certainly be an interesting one. Dan, I was, I was wondering if you, you remember uh, the second half there was an incident where Ings broke into the box and a foul was given against him when the defender went down.
3: Yeah.
2: What did, that, did you make of that incident? Because it looked to me like if it was either way, it was a penalty towards rather than a free kick.
3: I thought my, my first instinct because I was just I was making a note and I looked up and as I looked up I seen Ings get brought down in the linesman flag and my first my first thought was that because they aren't given the penalty maybe had Ings come from an offside position um that that's the only reason I can I can think of the decision going against us because it, otherwise it was a blatant penalty. Um, but with some, of the, with some of the decisions that are going against us at the minute, it, it won't surprise me at all because this there's been some disgust. I mean, for the corner as well for the opening goal, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a corner either. So um, match officials at the I, I agree with Robbie Savage. I think we should stop modding match officials, and they should be made to. Uh, they should be their decisions should be accounted for. They should be made to come out and explain their decisions after a game.
2: I absolutely game, agree with the you on that. game
3: decisions, aren't
2: they? Exactly, and I think um, maybe that would sharpen up their focus a little bit while the, while the game's going on. Um, I also wanted to ask you, Dad, obviously the manager's had a lot to be positive about recently. What did he have to say after the game? Was he still upbeat or was he disappointed with the way, he's, the way his players
3: performed? he conceded that we were second best in the first half you know he didn't he didn't want to make excuses you know using the decisions against us to be as an excuse for our performance he, he knew we were slow at the blocks and we let Huddersfield get on top of us Um, I think he, he just accepts it you know it's the nature of this decision uh, division sorry it's, it's a really competitive division and you know you look at QPR's result at weekend and you know Leicester got beat at home to Forest the other week I think it's Especially, you know, look at Watford the way they've fallen. I think that's the way it's going to work out throughout the rest of the season, where teams are just going to pick up a decent win one week and then, you know, be be subjected to a a surprise defeat the next. I think it's just the nature of it, and and that's what he accepts. But he wants, he wants better. He demands better, and uh, he'll be expecting a response tomorrow night.
2: I think it's probably a good thing that we're back in action so quickly, just because of
3: uh, agree, yeah. the fact it
2: offers that opportunity to bounce back, and especially with Watford being in such bad form. I mean, we'll, we'll come back to Tuesday's game a little bit later in the podcast, but we couldn't really ask for a, a better game against the side who I think it's almost two months since they won.
3: Yeah, they're, they're, struggling, they're struggling at the minute, aren't they? I think they've lost they've lost four on the bounce at home, and then that de- defeat to Yeovil at the weekend was just an absolute shock. I don't know. I don't think anyone saw that coming. Um like you say, I think I think Zola's in a lot of trouble as well. So you know he's gonna he's gonna be desperate tomorrow. Might, in my books he'll be the next manager to go, I think, in, in the championship. Um I think there might be change there soon.
2: There's been plenty of managerial changes this, this weekend already, hasn't there? And one in particular that we'll certainly come back to a little bit later in the podcast but yeah Zola Zola is coming under a little bit of pressure I think which is
0: unexpected really
2: I thought they were all quite happy with him but I suppose that any manager who goes a couple of months without winning a game is going to be in some trouble Um, I do want to move on now actually we'll leave Huddersfield behind because it it is a bit depressing going on about how poor we were at the weekend and we'll move on to this month's player of the month award um, which might not be any more uplifting actually we didn't win a game in November, so it'll be interesting to see who our panel go for. Um, you can vote via Twitter if you use the hashtag Cl- ClaretsPOTM and add your comments as well and we'll get the best ones on the site or there's a poll on our website and we'll get those votes counted and announced later in the week. Um, we'll start with you, Natalie. I think you've rejoined us after
4: I your... I have,
2: apologies. there. <laughs> what are your thoughts? I'm player of the month for November is there someone who stood out for you in the last month
4: oh um gosh um i don't think there's a i don't think there's a standout player for November uh, for, sorry for October no it is November isn't it sorry um I forget what month I'm on um I'm going to go with it, was I definitely think, it is definitely november sorry um I'm going to go with Volks i think um I think he is i think he's the one Player who's shown some consistency, whereas I think out of all the games we've played, other players you can pinpoint games where they've not played as well or maybe they've um, made mistakes, for example. So I think I'm going to go Sam.
2: That's an interesting idea. I think Vols has played pretty well this month, but uh, mm. yeah, it, it is tricky because there's been no clean sheets for the back four and no victories so no match winning performances. I think it might be quite an open one this month. James, we'll come to you. Player in the month for November. It's your pick. Um
5: Can we pick D Marnius? Because I've noticed what it's been that he's not been. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, so I Kevin's article on the site. I said it should be Marnie even though he's not really played. Just because we've obviously missed him so much. Right, are, we,
5: are we in a wind tunnel at the moment? or
2: this is what it was like when when you were on your bike, James. <laughs> when you were trying to do the podcast I from can, your I bike, can, I can imagine this is exactly what it was like. Your player of the month for November, James.
5: Uh, ooh, it's tough, isn't it? Really? Uh, um, I'd probably say Sam Vaux as well, just because he he always puts in a hundred percent effort. And if we don't win, you can't really blame someone who's not really in the thick of it. So I'll pick Sam Vox just out of sort of default. <laughs>
2: default pick Sam Volks. What are you, about you then, Dan? Have you got a different choice, or are you going one hundred percent Sam Volks with the others?
3: I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna have to agree and disagree um, because I think there has been one standout play this month. It is the play that's that's been mentioned. I, th- I think I think Vox has, has been excellent in some games, but I, I agree that maybe it's because um, his teammates have have been severely below par, but. I think his work rate has been tremendous and um, you know he's always putting himself about his his touch is good he holds he holds the ball up well you know he's contributing with goals um, so yeah I'm going to go with Vaux.
2: Three votes for Sam Vaux so far then i we'll bring you in on this point who's your player of the month for November? Um I'm gonna go
6: with Sam Vokes too, just because everyone else is. There's not not been a standout player other than Sam, but like Sam Vokes hasn't even been a, a standout player yet. He he still um, seems to be the best. Um, so yeah, Sam Vokes for me.
3: I agree with agree with James as well. I'm gonna have to go with Dean Marnie just for the fact of how much we've missed them.
2: I think Marnie might get a few votes actually if, if people pick up on that. I wasn't expecting votes to get everyone's vote. I actually voted on the site, on the poll on the site earlier and I voted for Trippier just because I think he's a, a default pick if everyone's been around the same. I think he's, he's not really got anywhere in the player of the month vote so far and I felt a bit bad that he's not been up there in the, in the <laughs> mix. So I voted for Kieran Trippier.
6: Wasn't he being uh, overrun in the first half yesterday though?
2: Uh, on Saturday rather.
6: Wasn't he what, sorry? Being totally overrun in the first half of, of Huddersfield.
2: I, I think the whole defence was, to be honest. I don't think Trippi was particularly bad out of that by line. I, in fact, I'd argue he was probably the strongest. I the, just saw a couple his... of people picking him out
6: as as the best, but you were there, so...
2: Well, I didn't notice him being particularly bad. I thought Ben Mee had quite a bad game on Saturday, and Heaton probably should have kept the first one out. I didn't think Shackle played well, and... Duff got himself sent off, so <laughs> yeah, I think Trippie was probably the best of a bad bunch at the back, but point taken, he did struggle at times on Saturday, but I think the whole team struggled at times on Saturday. We've had a comment from Paul on the the live chat, which you can keep adding your comments to that and we'll read out the best ones. Paul says, Jason Shackle for me, but Volts is also doing very well. And Ganks goes for Tom Heaton, even though... Um, He did make that mistake on Saturday just because he's been unfortunate not to win it already. It will be interesting if we see some votes um, along those lines going for players who have been maybe a little bit unsung. So it will be interesting. You can get your votes in on Twitter as well. As I mentioned, use the hashtag ClarencePOTM. And there's a poll on our site as well if you want to vote that way. Our panel all went for some votes, so if you agree with them, then... Um, vote should be your man but I'm sure there's other candidates as well so um, vote for who you like and we're going to move away from Burnley actually just for a moment because one of the big news stories of today was the sacking of Owen Coyle from Wigan Athletic Um, Coyle always stirs up plenty of debate so I thought it would be an interesting one to cover on the podcast Um, lost his job at Wigan um, after just a few months really their bottom half of the league lost 3-0 at home to Derby at the weekend, nothing else. Three home defeats in just a week and a bit, and they're also going to go out of Europe. So Coyle has lost his job second time, and he's always been sacked by the Championship club. And we'll throw this one open for the panel. Maybe start with you, Natalie, because I think you've joined us again. Owen Coyle sacked. What, what are your thoughts on that? Are you bothered? Are you pleased to see him struggle? No, he's not there. (laughs) We keep trying to go to Natalie and we keep losing her. We'll try you then, James. Owen Coyle, are you you still a bit bitter or are you totally over it now? What are your thoughts?
5: Oh, I don't really care about him, but uh, at the same time, I do quite like seeing him do badly. So, uh,
2: yeah, I'm glad he's got that. Do you think it was deserved? Do you think it's been coming the way we're going to have been performing recently? I think
5: undoubtedly they brought him in thinking he's... uh, you know, he's an amazing manager. I think he's been found out really, hasn't he, that he's a bit of a one-trick pony. Uh, motivates people well, but tactically I don't think he's really, I'd say all there, but I don't think he's there at all. So,
2: Yeah, he deserves to get sacked. He's not been good enough. <laughs> I, I agree that he's underachieved, but I, I do think it's been tricky at Wigan. When, whenever you come in uh, replacing a manager who's done extremely well like Martinez, even though they got relegated, of course, won the FA Cup and he kept them up a couple of years against the odds, so um, asking to get promoted straight away while competing in Europe, I do think that was tricky, but they should certainly be doing better than the bottom half. Dan, you must have had some dealings with Owen Coyle through your work at the, the Express. What, what are your feelings on Coyle now? It's almost four years since he walked out on Burnley, of course.
3: Oh, it, it breaks my heart, it really does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it, someone's yeah. upset. <laughs> Um, well, I think you know at the time everyone was saying when he went to Bolton it was it was a sad uh but I'm glad to see now that it was actually a downward spiral since he left us. Uh, um, he's, he's, it was the biggest mistake of his life. We all knew that when it happened when uh, when he left us. Um, if if he had stayed with us and he'd have kept us up, there'd have been a whole host of jobs open to him, but. You know, he made his decision, and he's he's paying for it now, and he's he's probably going to end up in in the Highlands again at some point, managing managing up there. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be taken on by anyone. Uh, you know, in the top two tiers of this uh, of these these leagues anyway. So, it uh, it would come in. I think to give him it was always going to be hard for him because the. To balance the league and in Europe, like you say, he's he's never experienced that before, and you know which which one do you, do you give preference to? I don't know. He's he's struggled and he's uh, he's paid the price. So yeah, yeah, he's gone.
2: It does seem to have gone quite wrong, quite fast for Coyle. A couple of weeks ago, they were doing okay. They were top half of the table, and it looked like they were going to go through from the Europa League their group and then they lost a, a winnable home game and lost again in the league and it's gone badly wrong quite quickly. I don't really think Dave Whelan was the sort of chairman to get, rid of, uh, to get rid of these managers so quickly but he's obviously come under a bit of pressure from the fans mm. and decided he can get someone better and it'll be interesting to see who they go for with so many yeah. other managers at work at the moment Dave Jones lost his job at Sheffield Wednesday recently, there's a couple of others under serious pressure, it's the managerial roundabout kicks in at this time of year, doesn't it? I suppose um, maybe a little bit concerned that Sean Dash is going to be linked with these jobs. Do you think his name's going to come up at some of these jobs, like Wigan?
3: I think they're always, his name's always going to come up in it at the minute. Um, it's, it's just part and parcel of, of being, being successful and, and bringing success to a club that's that's not expected to be up there. Um, I just, I just think McCoyle, it's a strange one because the plays that he had at his disposal just haven't been. I don't know whether it's they haven't been performing or whether he's not got his starting eleven together. You know the likes of Grant Holt, who are proven at this level, were scoring goals in the Premier League not so long ago. Have just, have just not hit form. You've got the the lad McManaman, who was seemingly a, a potential world beater at one point last year, and then obviously. So Chris McCann, there he's obviously not been able to get the best out of him. Um, there only seems to be Powell, who's who seems to be scoring every every week, every other week. So uh, honestly, I don't know what's going on. But yeah, I agree. I think I think that will be will be uh, will be linked.
2: Well, Coyle certainly um, has plenty of players to choose from, and I think they've got quite a large squad despite losing some players in the summer. Um, I think you touched on the point there about the players not maybe reaching the expectations and they have to shoulder some of the blame I think the players always always do in that situation Um, Grant Holt was one that I noticed when they signed a player in this league I thought he'd dominate um, some of the lesser clubs especially but I think it's a few weeks since Holt scored at all and he's only got a few this season and a lot of those came in the early rounds of the the Europa League, so they've certainly not seen the best of Grant Holt and a couple of the others that you mentioned. Obviously, McCann, we know about. Um, McManaman, who was linked with some big clubs in the summer that not really heard much from them, so it'll be extremely interesting to see if, if the next manager does get the best, best of them. Adam's mentioned Ian Holloway as a possible replacement for Coyle, and I absolutely agree. I think he's tail-made for that sort of situation where I th- they've, got, I think he's the they've favorite, got the players it, the man? there. They've got the, the squads in place, really, and they just need someone to get the best out of them. Um, we'll try again with Natalie because I think she's back in at the moment. I know she's gone again. <laughs> we have had some comments on the live chat, though. Uh, Keep comments coming in and we will read out the best ones. <laughs> We've had a comment from Ganks who refers back to um, uh, the Clark Carlisle podcast that we did a few weeks ago. Now he says, about the Wigan players are all upset that there's going to be no Cake Friday anymore in training. <laughs> Clark Corral basically <laughs> suggested that training wasn't particularly professional, Surely, we say, when Owen Coyle and in charge. So, I've cake Friday and drink pop for for doing well in challenges and training. So, yeah, maybe the players will lose a bit of weight now Coyle's gone.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's strange, isn't it? Not so long ago, he was being linked with a Liverpool job.
2: It's absolutely crazy. Someone on Twitter said today that they can remember Arsene Wenger being... Under so much pressure at Arsenal, and there were fans demanding he got the sack and to have Owen Coyle come in. And over yeah, a yeah. year later, Coyle has been sacked by a wig, and he's probably not going to get a job in the top two divisions, like you say. And Arsene wenger <laughs> has got Arsenal four points clear of the Premier League and cruising through in Europe. So it's incredible yeah. how quickly things can change around in football. And we've had a comment from Roger as well. He says Kyle Sacking proves he was right in his own mind to leave us. He must have thought he was going to get the chop from us as he was about to be found out. He's managed to get two well paid jobs since leaving us, but he might struggle to get another. It will be interesting to see what his next step is because they do say you're only as good as your last job, and he's not done a very good job at either of his last two. So
6: no.
2: I don't think he can live on his his reputation from what he did at Burnley for much longer. No. Uh, we'll leave Coyle there for now, though. I'm sure. People will continue to follow his career with interest, Burnley fans especially, just to see how he gets on and what he gets up to next. But we will move on to previewing tomorrow night's game. Um, at least one change going to be enforced for Burnley with Michael Duff being suspended after being sent off on Saturday. But maybe there'll be one or two more as well. James, what do you think Sean Dyche will be thinking about his team for tomorrow night?
5: Uh, well, I think obviously a lot depends on whether, whether Dean Marnie's, uh fit. Um, I had heard that he was actually fit before the Forest game, so I, I assume there must have been some sort of setback for him uh, that means obviously he's not playing now, but he's, he's one of the fittest guys on the side so you'd imagine he, he probably won't be kept out long unless it's something uh, quite serious. Um, but I think if, if Marnie's not available, he'll probably play Edgar again, which I think is probably a bit like banging your head against a brick wall, but um, I mean, personally, I think he's, he's shown a few times that he doesn't start games very well and I think that's cost us. Um, I think obviously Kev Long will probably come in at the back to replace Duff. Uh, but other than that, I don't think he'll make many changes, to be honest.
2: I think the, the Edgar in midfield thing is just indicative of the lack of options. We spoke briefly last week about the, the, the option of moving Scott Arfield inside and adding a winger and it'll be interesting to see if that's something uh, he considers for tomorrow. Uh, Dan, have you got any insight into possible teams for tomorrow? Danny Ings apparently an injury doubt as well.
3: Yeah, I think I think what came from the press conference today is is that Dean Marnie is, is a is a doubt for tomorrow. do from what Darts was saying, it doesn't it don't look like we'll be seeing Dean Marnie tomorrow. Uh, and Danny Ings is a maybe. So, um, it's like you say, options are limited. How, how do you change it? Um, it's either you play a wide player off the off off, off Vox or bring another centre midfielder in. Either way, it it doesn't fill me with enthusiasm at all, to be honest. Um, and it it would just bound to happen, weren't it? You struggle to bring someone in, in in the loan window, and then as soon as it closes, you you start struggling. And December is going to be a busy month, so it's going to be interesting to see how it all unfolds.
2: Well, the loan window closed last week, of course, so that option no longer available to to Burnley. We can't just get someone in to cover cover the injury, so we are going to have to manage with what we've got. Um, what about Ryan Noble? Do you think maybe the winter will see his chance come? He's he's not even been on the bench when everyone's been fully fit. Have you seen much of of Noble in the development squad games, Dan? What What do you think the the deal is with Ryan Noble?
3: He played against Sunderland and he was uh, largely anonymous um, I don't th- I don't think he's ready yet I think he's at, l- at best he's a work in progress and uh, by the looks of what from what I have seen uh, Darch has got a lot of work to do so I, do, I, I don't be in the fray at any point
2: yeah. if, if things doesn't make it tomorrow night though he's I've no, but at least on the bench because. Oh,
3: it, it'd probably bring him in onto the, onto the bench, yeah. Um, I'd be very surprised if he if he played any part, though. Uh, unless he, he came on with, well, he's, you know, with a, f- a few minutes left just to. Uh, but I'd be surprised if we saw anything of him.
2: Okay, fair enough. Um, Adam, I think we'll come to you on this one if that's okay. Natalie has given up on trying to, to join us. She did her best, but her connection's been desperately in and out Adam um, team for tomorrow night it's it's a tricky one we saw few options what what would be your personal choice not what do you think the manager will do what what would you be thinking to do to change it up after Saturday uh,
6: I'm like you I, I'd like to see Arfield come into the middle and um, Stanislas play on the ro- left left hand side um, and and that might um, kind of avoid the problem of having to play Edgar in the middle and um, because cause Arfield is a, a is actually a midfielder who can play in in the middle so um and he, he's kind of been thrown on onto the wing almost um due to the loss of Ross Wallace um Ross Wallace no yeah Ross Wallace yeah Ross Wallace um and, and so um put him in in the middle might might be better for for the whole whole team altogether um and and Stanislas is always kind of impressed and tried uh, when he's come on. Um, so so yeah, that would be my my option. Uh, long at the d- back too. Uh,
3: yeah.
2: Is that an option you think? Um, Sean's considered maybe playing half field inside. Obviously, when we when we signed him, we were told he was a central midfielder. But we've only used him on the wing, and he's done an extremely good job out there.
3: Yeah, um, definitely an option. Did he, did he not play? Did he not play central in the cup game against Forest? I think um, I'm not sure of, to
2: be honest. I didn't sure see that
3: game. Some, I'm sure he played some part in the middle there, but yeah, it's definitely an option. He's he's naturally um, a central central player who's um, who's coming on leaps and bounds. To be honest, um, I think he's, he's he's really impressed me this year. At First, I, I were not convinced, but yeah, I think um, I think he's proven himself.
2: I think he surprised everyone didn't he a bit Scott Arfield especially we, we've mentioned this on the podcast countless times but the way he bounced back from the mistake in the Rollers game scoring in the next two games oh, you, you have to
3: bring it up didn't you
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but
2: every, every time I about. close my eyes every time I close <laughs> my eyes I'll see that back pass I'm like Whoa, what are you doing <laughs> just don't pass it back don't pass it back but to oh, come back yes. with, with two goals in two games I thought was like standing, and great character from the lads so I was really chuffed that he managed to put that behind him so quickly. Yeah, um, Jade, superb
3: footwork as well.
2: Sorry. Yeah, excellent. He, he drove at the Huddersfield back line a couple of times in the second half, and it was like seeing a, a proper winger, <laughs> like an old yeah, fashioned yeah. really taking him on. I'm sure he was spurred spurred on to perform well against his old club. I don't see much from Martin Patterson. I didn't actually realise he, he was playing.
3: <laughs> no, he's he pulled a few crosses back into the box and he hit the post didn't he? but it's just Martin Patterson isn't it he just runs and runs basically
2: <laughs> like a tourist though, bunny um, yeah exactly James on, on the team I wanted to come back to you um, Brian Stockland, do you think in line for a start what, what would be your make up of the midfield tomorrow night what?
5: Um, I'd just make one change in midfield Edgar out Brian Stock in
2: would that be all you're doing and long into the back line
5: uh, yeah, I'd bring on in in defence. I mean, someone's mentioned in the chat the other option defence is uh moving Me into the middle and putting Lafferty in at left back. Um but I think I think Kev
2: Longer uh come back in. We've not really seen much about me at centre back at all, have we, considering he, he again it was a player that we, we thought was the centre back and it's been used pretty much exclusively as a left back. I remember seeing him I think it was a friendly against Sunderland, just after he signed. He played centre back and he looked really, really good. And that was probably the last time we've really seen him at centre-back. Yeah, guess. I
5: think a big thing, obviously, was uh, I don't think Dash really fancied uh, Joe Mills. No, uh,
2: that's true. Be- because
5: he couldn't really defend. <laughs> which, <laughs> I think is a case quite often with full-backs. I mean, sometimes you see it with Trippier. Sometimes he gets run ragged for the first 20 minutes until he sort of susses out how he's meant to yeah, deal with this player. The wing. Yeah.
2: He's um, tack- rules a little bit. Uh, we've got a couple of comments on this, actually, as well. Um, Rogers said, Stock and Stanislaus could come in and show some hunger. Proper wingers getting some balls into votes. Uh, Stanislaus certainly put a couple of extremely good crosses in that I thought we were unlucky not to score from, um, especially the one that votes was arguably onside for. Um, and Paul suggested another option is to play Stanislaus or Keith Tracy as a temporary striker with no ball on the bench. It's a shame West Fletcher's left. It could have been his chance. I think that's a very, very good point and I wonder if we'd maybe tried a bit harder to keep hold of Patterson if we'd known we weren't going to sign another striker apart from Noble. Um, but yeah, options thin on the ground. Alex McDonald as well, good point there, Adam. He's an attacker who left in the summer. He maybe had got some game time now, but he's, he's at person, so I suppose he's not exactly proven proven Burnley wrong in, in letting him go. Um, what about if Danny Ings doesn't make it? Then we've, we've suggested a couple of times that um, players like Keitley, Stanislas, Tracy could all play off folks instead. Um, Dan, what do you think the the options are there if Ings is unavailable? What do you think? Yeah. Raisha's thinking is on that one.
3: Um, like, like I say, I mean, um, I mean, it, it, it all depends how, how Watford line up as well. But I think you know he, he's got the option of like say, bringing another. I don't think he'll he'll want to pack the midfield, but he's got the option to bring in another central midfielder in. Um or like you say, playing playing one of the, the aforementioned players off off the front. Um for me Keith Tracy hasn't done enough to warrant a starting place at all. Um the the few times he's come out as a sub in recent weeks he's 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 done nothing and the times he's he's been given a chance to start is He's not really gone at it. Um so I, I I'd probably dismiss Keith Tracy. Um you know, Kate's Car- an option. Um playing him off off folks and um It's just it's really hard. You know, he's he's gonna be he's certainly gonna be scratching his head anyway because this this there's, there's nothing and then if 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 something does go wrong tomorrow night and he, he needs to change it, what what's he gonna do then? Because he's he's gonna have even more limited options off the bench. You know, how do you how do you change it from that point?
2: Well this this is it. I mean, I made the point I think it was in an article on the site just a few days ago, said not signing anyone on loan, it just means that there is a clash of knees or something in training and it's it's an injury crisis. You need two players out essentially, and then we're struggling to fill the bench. It's it's difficult. Um, obviously there were efforts to get someone in on loan. Can you shed any light on, on what went on before the window closed? How close we were were we to getting someone in before the window shot on Thursday?
3: It sounds like they they were working hard and, and they were very unfortunate with a few. Um we spoke to Dyes and Dyes was you know, a lot of people saying it's the board, they're not backing the manager. You know, Dyke said himself that it's not it's nothing to do with the board. It's just tough getting somebody it's just It's proven a tough time to get players in. Despite being top of the league, they want to play first-team football and the club's wanting to play first-team football. Um, Andy Keogh is one that was mentioned, uh, which Millwall uh, weren't happy to let happen. Harry Kane from Spurs uh, was another one they tried for, uh, the England under-21 international. But he's on 25, well, reportedly on 25 grand a week. Um,
2: really, I think, yeah.
3: hell. that's crazy. Uh, no, I, I believe we offered to pay a percentage of that. I think it was something like twenty percent or something like that. But obviously, it didn't happen. And then, even closer, I think was was Craig Davis. Um, I was I was in touch with some with a source close to Davis throughout the deadline, um, and his agent was pushing. Apparently, it was pushing for a move for him to come to Burnley. Uh, you know, Wolves was reported, but Burnley was where he wanted to come. And um, Gottsad wasn't happy to uh, to help his rivals, but I'm I'm assured that Davis will be out of Bolton in January.
2: Davis was one that was certainly mentioned in the summer as well. Is, is he a target, or is it um, Davies's agent pushing for that move? Is Is he someone the manager's interested in?
3: I think he's a genuine target. Yeah, um, I think he's someone that that Dutch is keen on and to be honest he, fit, he fits the mould because he's you know he's he's a similar type of player to Vos but he can come off he can come off uh, coming from a, from the wide areas he's tall he's, he, he can head the ball he, he likes to have a pop from distance he, he'll put himself about he gets in the box um, and he'd have been an ideal addition um, you know the options that we have I think he'd have been probably one of the most ideal Additions we could have had in that window, um, so hopefully that you know that'll be an avenue that that Darts will explore in January, um, because obviously Bolton have got Mason in now as well, so it just pushes Davis even further down the pecking order and and just increases his frustration really because he's he's not playing.
2: Kevin wrote an article on the site actually uh, going through some of the challenges that the club has getting loan players in and some of the things you've mentioned like Bolton not wanting to, to lend us someone because they the see us as a rival now and the wage demands of some of the even Premier League reserve players who've not really had a look in for their parent clubs like Harry Kane reportedly being on £25,000 a week it's ludicrous and obviously we can't go anywhere near, the, near that money Um James, how how frustrated and disappointed were you that we couldn't get any any signings? in on Thursday, especially now, given that two of our first team players look like they're going to be out for Tuesday night at least.
5: Uh, I'd say I was probably unsurprised. Really, I, I didn't expect us to manage to get anyone in. It's you know, if you look at if you're a young player or you're you know a club who have a young player, do you want to loan them out to someone who's you know got an established? First eleven, and you're probably going to sit them on the bench. I mean, because we, we wouldn't be able to say to players, we guarantee you know you'll play because they won't, and uh, we probably only really needed a, a striker and a midfielder, maybe. Um, but you know, I think that's the way things are when you've got such a, a good side at the moment. People don't want to move just to sit on your bench instead of their own.
2: That's, it's a fair argument, but I think um, my response to that would be that you you can't guarantee anyone first-team football. Like Conor Wickham went to Sheffield Wednesday and he said to him, like, we're struggling, so you're going to get football, but you can't guarantee that a player's going to play ever, I don't think. Um, Adam, we'll bring you in on, on this one. What are your thoughts on the, the loan signing situation?
6: I was just going to say, um, if uh, one of our players got injured last week before the deadline, um, do you think that... Um, we would have been, we would have been successful in our attempts to to get a lone player in, um, because then you you do have them um, uh, a kind of more of an idea of when and where they're going to play. Um, if someone is out injured before you, you go for them. Do You think that's that was an option, like if if that happened. I, I don't know,
2: Dan. What do you what do you think of that? Do you think that would have helped if 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 perversely if someone had been injured and there'd have been an opening in the side, would that have made it a bit easier to get a signing in?
3: No, oh, I think it would. I agree with that. Um, I think if you can pretty much tell someone that they're going to be part of your plans uh, and part of your starting eleven, they they're going to take they obviously going to take that on board. Uh, like James was saying earlier, if, if the way that we've been playing, you know, we're top of the league, you don't really want to dislodge anyone from the starting eleven because you've got that momentum, that consistency. It's tough to. Um, you know, kind of sell it to to a player because they want to play. But I think it also says a lot about footballers nowadays. Because if they're not willing to sit on a bench and force an entry into the team and work hard and, and prove themselves, then they don't deserve to be in the in the game anyway. Because you know, it's, it, nothing's a given. You need to you need to fight for it. And 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 it, also, it's, it's about finding the right player as well. You don't wanna you don't wanna get someone bring someone in who's who's gonna upset the the camaraderie that camaraderie that we've uh, that we've got at the club at the minute, but yeah, I think if someone were injured, I think it would have made it a lot easier to bring bring a player in. That's
2: a good point. Though. I mean, we we all think about on the fit on the field and on the pitch matters and how how people fit in and covering various positions. But the manager's got to consider more than that. He's got obviously got a small squad and everyone seems to get on quite well from from what we can see as fans, so you've got to find someone with the right personality to fit in there and I suppose that's a challenge. Um with regard to the point that Adam raised on injuries though, um are we assuming D Marney's gonna be fit quite quick quite soon because this injury is dragging on a little bit and if he misses tomorrow night, a central midfielder could have come in and been straight into the team for at least two games.
3: I think I think it'd be interesting to see if we had a big if if we had cover, just how quickly he would have come back. Because I think dart just playing it a bit safe at the minute. It, it don't you don't want to bring him back in if he's a slight risk because if he aggravates it, it puts him out for even longer. And you know there is that worry about about the cover there. And you know Marnie's absence has has had a big impact on us. So I think th- I think it's just one of them where he's, he's got to wait until he feels that Dean Marnie is 100 percent right and he, he isn't going to. Uh, aggravate the injury to an extent to uh, than any any more than it is now. Um oh, is is December's a massive month for us and he's gotta be back in the next few weeks.
2: You wouldn't think we'd be able to carry on going through um the whole of the next month with David Heger playing in midfield, so that's all. Dean Marnie gets fit as, as soon as possible. We had a point from Steve, actually. I thought Steve made a really interesting point in a comment on on my article that went on the site today. He said um, it might even be worth risking Dean Marnie in these two home games if if he's fit to play at all um, to try and get six points from the winnable matches just because there's so many big games coming up it's going to be difficult to get results. So I thought that was an interesting way of looking at it, the fact that it's so important we get wins on the board and get back to winning ways and build some momentum again. But I'm not sure they'll be looking at it that way. I think Marnie will, like you say, will, will look after Marnie and we'll make sure he's absolutely 100% before he gets back in.
3: Yeah, I think I think that's the best thing to do because if he if he does aggravate it, then you don't know how, how long he's going to be out for after that. But after, after the Barnsley game, there's obviously Leicester coming up as well, which is going to be a huge game for both teams. And if you can get someone with the energy and work rate of d Marny back for that game, I think it'll, you know, it's, it'll make a big difference because it's a big game. He brings tempo with him. you know. He's, just the way he works, the, the way he moves, he's, he's darting up and down. That's what we've missed. That's what, that's what helps us put opponents on the back foot. And at the minute... It's it's working against
2: us. I absolutely agree, and I think that's why I'd be so keen to see to see Scott Arfield in the central midfield because I think he'd offer that sort of energy and the drive and the pressing from midfield that we've been missing. Like, I agree. Not well, missing yeah. against David Edgar, and I think we've probably slagged him off a little bit too much. He's done fine in most of these games, but. He's not got the same in-your-face nature as, as Marnie. And I think our field could offer the same. And it also gives us a chance to bring in another attacker. So I'd certainly be in favour of that move. Um, we can going have to wrap up soon, I think. We've had a couple of comments, actually. We've got a question from Roger that we'll, we'll throw to you, actually, Dan, because I think you've seen a couple of the development squad games, probably. He says, is there anyone in the development squad that's that's ready to make the step up maybe Jason Gilchrist He scored a lot of goals in youth team football hasn't he is he anywhere near the first team do you think?
3: Um, it's hard to say really I've, I wouldn't like to comment because I, I don't feel I have seen enough of him I've seen him a few times last year and he, he does look very impressive but it, I don't know if he's got the build and the strength to to make the step up to the championship yet it's, it's a very strong it's a very uh not aggressive, but it's, it's physical. T- t- physical t- is physical f- Physical's yeah. the word I'm looking for. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> if you know, if you're getting, if you're getting beaten up and and pushed about, it's hard to make an impact in a game. And if he gets brought in too early, you just don't know mentally and what kind of impact it's going to have on him. So it, you've just got to bide your time and and wait until they are fully fully developed and and fully ready to make that step up.
2: Sean sure, Dash what well, they did use quite a lot of young players at Watford, didn't he? So it's it's not something he's afraid to do. I'm sure he's he's being kept up to date with all the young players and I'm sure if there's anyone um I think is ready to step up, I'm sure they'll get their chance, especially with the squad being so thin. I'm sure we'll see some of them on the bench in the next few weeks. Yeah. Jack's made a point actually on, on Marnie, he says when he played in the Bournemouth game, maybe he did come back a little bit too soon and maybe he aggravated the injury that day. Perhaps that's that's something to bear in mind. I think, Adam, you've got a point, actually, on, on what we were just talking about.
6: Yeah, I was just going to say about Dice. I think when he was first appointed, we got some comment on the site from Watford fans. And towards the start of his first full season, in, first season in charge, um, he did throw a lot of young players in. And then this, uh, the team started doing badly. And I think, if my memory serves, he took them all out again and got a lot of people in on loan. Um, so... Uh, I find it interesting that we say that he has experience of this but uh, that was one of the criticisms of Dash when he when he first arrived that we got from um from Watford fans. Um so it will be interesting to see what he does um and if he does bring any anyone in.
2: I suppose it's one of those that could work both ways really isn't it? I mean if he, he could have put the young players in just to take a look at them and then decided that they're obviously not good enough so yeah, it's an interesting one, but there's, there must be some young talents around because the youth team seems to do quite well, so it's worth keeping an eye on that one.
3: Yeah, there's um, obviously Hewitt on the bench at
2: weekend, weren't there? Yeah, we've seen a bit of Hewitt in around the first teams club, but he's, he's he's not that young anymore, Hewitt, is he? He's been around quite a while. He does seem not, to have been, doesn't he? It? He's not really had his chance yet, so you, you wonder like if he's going to get an opportunity if David Edgar gets picked in midfield instead, but it is a big step and... Like you say, you can't underestimate the importance of judging the timing of pu- putting these young players in. Just because mm. if you put them in too early and and they have a bit of a nightmare, it could be a psychological blow. Um, but certainly one worth keeping an eye on just, for the rest. Yeah, of just it. to
5: point out though, you know, Hewitt's only
2: nineteen. I mean, he's obviously had a, of, a hard life because he, he looks a bit <laughs> older than nineteen. So he must have a tr- I've, I've thought he'd been around much longer than that. He seems to have been in and around the first team squad for two or three years so I thought it was like 2011
5: his two senior career
2: so not he's got one. time yet. he's got time yet let's not write him off not that anyone was writing him off or <laughs> saying he was too old that didn't happen <laughs> we've had a comment from Jack actually going back to what we were talking about Owen Coyle earlier he says he was linked with Manchester United and Liverpool in the papers at one point it just shows how quickly fortunes can turn around in football. Um, Owen Coyle, of course, great days for, for Burnley, but I'm sure he regrets walking out on us and it could have been so different if he'd stayed. Who knows what would have happened? Um, but we are going to wrap up shortly, I think. We'll do some predictions. Um, two home games, of course, before we are next on. Uh, Watford and Barnsley. We'll have the blog tomorrow night. If you're not able to get to the turf, that'll be kicking off at about half past seven, so you can join us there. Um, but we'll get predictions for the two games from all of our panelists' um, score lines and um, what minimum points do you think is necessary for this week, James? Six. Minimum six as a minimum. You wouldn't take, I wouldn't take four.
5: four. I wouldn't take four. No, not at home. Not at home. It's, it's got to be six, I think.
2: Fair enough. So, do you think we'll get those results? Do I you think? think two? Home
5: yeah, I, I think we will. I think we will. I think we'll, uh, we'll win 3 0 tomorrow night. Bold, you might think, on recent form, but I think we're going to bounce back and uh, get 3 0. And I think it could be even more on Saturday. So, to am going to go 4
2: <laughs> 1. James providing a, a, a good counterbalance to the, the negativity of myself there. He says you're going to see seven goals at Turf Moor just for Burnley. <laughs> I hope you're right. I really hope you're right. With Watford being out of form, it, it's so difficult to call it out. Uh, I mean, sp- they got to
5: beat 3 0 at home by Yorval, so.
2: Oh, yeah, exactly. We always say anyone could beat anyone in this league, can't they? So you never know. I, I was answering some questions for Vital Watford and they asked me for a prediction. I was, I've got no idea. We haven't won for a month. They haven't won for two. It could go either way. Um, Dan, we'll come to you then. Do you think six points from this week is necessary, really, just to keep us up there?
3: I think I think so, yeah. You've got to be looking. I mean, we're unbeaten at home still. So you're you, you obviously taking that into the game and we're bounced back. Really well after defeat to Brighton, so I think you've got to you, these two games now. You've got to be looking at the six points because, like, I keep bringing up how tough December is going to be, but it is going to be a tough month, and you've got to take everything you can from from your home games. Um, you know, I think I, I think you know teams like Leicester. I think they've got two away games on the bounce now, so it gives us that chance to, you know, get a get. I know we're still among them, but they're three points ahead, so it gives us that chance to level off with them again. Um, I think tomorrow I probably got two one and Barnsley uh, maybe maybe yes three 0 I think. Well, I think it'd be nice to see someone like Mickey Mellon back at Turf Moor in in a managerial capacity. Um, but yeah, I hope, I hope we do three or four.
2: Oh, I hope that everyone at the clubs as confident as as Dan James are in giving the predictions there is certainly a good point to make about Leicester because after these two home games we've got to go to Leicester and that's going to be a very tough game so we want to get points on the board before that one, partly just to make sure that we're in touching distance of them for that game because that could be a a season-defining game really. Obviously we performed extremely well when we played QPR, our other perhaps promotion rivals at this stage beat them quite comfortably at home so Leicester could be the sort of game that proves whether we're going to be up there or not. Adam will round off with you then. Um six points from these two games.
6: Yeah, I totally agree with with Dan. I think you just when you're at top, at the top of the of the league, you need to win one when you're at home and two when you can. So both that that uh, um that kind of applies to both of these games. We're at home and they're, they're beatable. Um so I think uh tomorrow it's going to be 2-1 and on Saturday it's
2: going to be 2-0 to Bentley excellent positive stuff all round I think tomorrow might be a draw but I fancy it's to win on Saturday and I'd, I'd be fairly happy with that to be honest to get four points on the board as long as we win one of the games and get back to winning ways I think that's the important thing um, a couple of predictions as well from the, the live chatters before we do round off for the, for, um, the week Paul's been on he says four points a draw and a win but he'd love six 1-0-1-3-1 and Roger says six points is a must and it'll be two 2-0 two wins Um so, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow night. A busy week coming up. Busy, busy week coming up with two games. Two big games at Turfmoor. What for the visitors? Sean Dyche's old club, of course. And we'll have the live blog open from around half past seven for those who can't make it to the game. Um, it should be a big one. should be a big one too. Out of form side, so it's, it's difficult to call. But I'm sure the manager will have his team up to play against his old club. And the live blog will be on, on Saturday as well. Um, Final reminder as well, to get your votes in for Carrots Player of the Month, slim pickings perhaps for November with us not having won a game, but Sam Votes was the unanimous pick from our panel. So if you agree with them, Sam Votes should be your your vote. vote, um, Hashtag Carrots P-O-T-M if you're on Twitter and there's a poll on our site as well. We will leave it there for this week. Thanks for everyone who listened. Thanks for everyone who joined us on the live chat. Thanks to Natalie Bromley for attempting to, to join us um, with a very dodgy connection. And thanks to Dan Bite from the Burnley Express who joined us again today. James and Adam who've been with us as well. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll be back same time next week.
0: Bye. You've been listening to the No Name Never podcast. For more, visit nonanever.net. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at no Name Never net.